Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into Living Off the Land. This is episode 214 of the podcast. I'm your host, Dan, here with my co-host, Stephen. It is a Tuesday night, turning into actually a pretty lovely weather Tuesday night after a lot of rain uh, today. But, uh, Stephen, how are we doing? It's Tuesday night, and you know what that means. That's it's right. here for LOTL. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty ugly day outside today, but it's... Uh, Getting better. Uh, the rest of the week looks more promising, so uh, it's all good. It's June. Gotta love that. It is June. Man, it's already June of 2022. It is. How crazy is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so another week, another episode, and another beer. Uh, this one, uh, credit to my dad, actually. So I had uh, uh, the ladies in our family had a baby shower to go to on Sunday, so I invited all the guys in the family over, uh, dad, brothers, uncles, cousins, stuff like that, and uh, broke in my new patio in the backyard. So had a had a big uh, cement project going on in the house the last couple of weeks, got essentially every square inch of concrete at my house replaced, um, except for the slab that the house sits on. But uh, So new sidewalk, new driveway, widened the driveway. Um, New walkway around the house leading back to the back patio. So had that done, and uh, it was finished right before the weekend, this past weekend. So had the uh, had the guys over uh, from the fam, and we grilled out and just kind of hung out and enjoyed the weather. And uh, my dad, my dad, who is an avid listener of the podcast, shout out, uh, Rich Ford, he uh, stopped at Max Beverage. Because I always say that I usually get the beer of the week at Max on Ridge Road in Parma. And uh, he walked in there and picked up this week's beer of the week. And it is Jackie O's Static Flow Hazy IPA. Now, Jackie O's is located just off campus at uh, Ohio University in Athens. Hmm. Um, So it is a Southern Ohio beer. We're venturing out of Cleveland tonight for the beer of the week. We've had Jackie O's on the podcast before, but we've, we've never had... Um, Static Flow Hazy IPA. It is a limited release, and it is, according to Untapped, has a 3.9 rating out of 5. It is 5.5% ABV, and it is a hazy IPA with Citra. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Mo, Mo, Motuka? Motuka? And Motuka and the Bruce Hops with notes of juicy tropical fruit and smooth citrus. Hmm. This is very good. This very, is not something good. that your typical students are drinking at OU frat parties. Oh, no, This no, is no. way above and beyond that. This is not cheap college beer. This is uh, upperclassmen, uh, live off campus, probably have a job while going to school type of beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, some interesting can art with it. It's, it's like a giant a, uh, salamander. Yeah, or it looks something like a salamander, something like that. Yeah, salamander. Because at or the something. bottom of the ocean, and I see like seashells and uh, mm-hmm. seaweed there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so this is very, very good. I like this a lot. Um, very easy drinker. Now, as I've said before on the 
you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I was not an IPA drinker when we started this podcast. Not very even, IPA. Yeah. I didn't even know what a hazy IPA was. Uh, now it's my favorite style of beer. Um, and this is very, very good. This is almost almost tastes like a session. It's 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 only 5.5%, so it's not a very heavy IPA. It's almost like a session IPA. It's very light. Uh, it's very easily, uh, uh, very easy drinker. Um, it's crushable for sure. And uh, I really like it a lot. Uh, I would certainly get this again. Absolutely. And I'm going to go 7.6 on this. Okay. 7.6. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, I would definitely suggest uh, purchasing this uh, if you are out and about and looking for a new beer to try. It was ten ninety nine for the six-pack, which is pretty standard for a, uh, for a craft six-pack. Um, and, yeah. I would definitely suggest trying this if you're just getting into the IPA game. It's a very easy drinking IPA. Usually hazies are, but this very much is. So I would definitely suggest that. I like it a lot. Very uh, citrus forward, Um, but it doesn't have. It's not. It's not uh, bitter or has any like citrus bite. It's very easy drinker. Um, So I would definitely suggest this. For sure, and uh, yeah, that is beer of the week this week. All right, interesting. So I, you know, we've done beers since I came on the podcast. We've done beers in Cincinnati and Columbus, uh, various parts of the state. Uh, this is the first time I can recall one from southeastern Ohio. So that is uh, first Athens one. Yeah, that's highly interesting. We did a few of them uh, back in the day, especially when Jimmy was a part of the podcast, since he uh, uh, he's an OU guy. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cool. yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the Jackie O's from Athens, Ohio. So, uh, moving on to better know a neighborhood. Be can. Uh, this is going to be our 17th installment of this segment. Be can. Yes, we can talk about another neighborhood. Tonight. We can be can. And tonight we're going to talk about a neighborhood that if you looked at it from <clears throat> above, looks like a right triangle. Oh, Yes. So tonight we're going to talk about neighborhood that historically has been called Jefferson, but is more recently known as West Park, mm. which is on yes. the west side of Cleveland. I used to live in West Park. Yes, indeed. Uh, I in work fact, in West Park. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to get to that in a second. But uh, yeah, Jefferson West Park neighborhood is right in between Cam's Corners and the West Boulevard neighborhood on Cleveland's lower west side. In terms of geography, it roughly... The southern border is mostly I-71. The western boundary is the red line between West 150th and West 140th Street. Uh, The northern boundary is I-90, and the southern boundary, or actually the eastern boundary, is West 117th Street. So you're looking particularly in that area, and if you draw it out, it looks similar to a right triangle, actually. Uh, This is a mostly residential neighborhood. I say mostly because there is uh, quite a bit of commercial and industrial business toward the southern end by I-71, mm-hmm. which is where Dan's employer, Pioneer Athletics, is located. Let's go. Uh, Dan, you could probably explain those better than I can. So uh, what What's exactly that? does Pioneer Athletics do? Oh, so uh, Pioneer Athletics, we are a athletic field paint manufacturer. Uh, we are also a distributor for athletic products, uh, athletic supplies, Basically, the best way that I like to describe it to anybody that uh, asks me 
uh, where I work, uh, you know, you meet somebody new, pretty much the first question that you get asked is, hey, what do you do? Where do you work? Mm-hmm. So once I tell them that I work for Pioneer, a lot of people think that I work for the car stereo company. Oh. Um, but once I tell them that, no, I work, it's an athletic company, um, I basically tell them that uh, if you're watching a Browns game, anything that's on the field that the players are not wearing comes from us. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching a Browns game, the paint that's on the field, we make, we manufacture. Uh, we are a uh, distributor, vendor, seller, whatever you want to call it, of um, athletic field products. So the benches, the padding, uh, the wall padding, um, the even the goalposts, even the goalpost flags, the yard markers, the down indicators, the markers, the... Is it you have to make the pylons with the cameras in them and yeah, all that. Well, we don't make them; we sell them. Mm-hmm. So we're we're a we're a distributor for for a company that makes them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what we do, and that all comes right out of our warehouse uh, in West Park, uh, right off of Puritus Avenue on Industrial Parkway. Absolutely, that is fabulous. Uh, it's awesome when you consider companies like that. You don't even realize there's so many of them. We can't even cover on this podcast that. You know, so many products you see in the world are made right here in Cleveland or distributed right here in Cleveland. Sure. So that's just another great example of that. And you've been a member of this uh, organization for quite a while. So it'll uh, be def- 10 years in October. 10 years. That is amazing. Ten. Yeah, 10. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even get to break out the nine. Because October, like, <laughs> October of 2012. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people don't work 10 years at any company anymore. Like, you know, you, you really ought to be commended for that. Yeah, like that's well, thanks. that's extraordinary. Anyway, um, pressing on from that, if you so again, we're starting on the southern end of this neighborhood. As you move up a little bit, so you've got right off of I seventy one, you have a bunch of hotels uh, just around the corner from the airport, pretty much. As you go up a little bit further up West One Fortieth Street, you pass John Marshall High School, and you get up toward the Lorraine Avenue area. That's your main commercial corridor in West Park neighborhood. Um, it's mostly chains uh, on the west side of it, certainly in between West 150th and West 140th Street. As you go further to to the east, that's when you start to hit some of your more local establishments. Uh, also, you've got uh, the Global Ambassadors Language Academy, which is just off of uh, Lorraine Avenue at West 135th. Um, well, you, you're going to go back west, right? Uh, you're going to go to Camp's Corner. Well, Camp, Camp's Corner is just the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that there's like a bunch of uh What did you say that was to the west? It's mostly chain restaurants, places like McDonald's, Popeyes. Uh, uh disagree. Okay. Am I, I disagree. am I missing something here? Yeah, you're missing the bar area of Cam's Corner. PJ McIntyre's uh, Working Class Brewery. Well, that's Cam's Corner's neighborhood. We're not talking about that. Sorry. That's not West Park? I thought Cam's Corner Cam's Corner's in West Park. Uh Cam's Corners and, Je- well, Jefferson technically is the neighborhood we're talking about here. Oh, so okay. We're talking about West 150th Street and further east. Oh, my bad. Okay, my bad. Yeah, sorry, no, sorry. no, no, no. I mean, Cam's Corners, which was actually the, the neighborhood that launched the, Cam's Corners the, already, the, the right? B-Can segment right. way I'm back sorry. in February. I'm sorry. Um, Pay attention, yes. Dan, you a-hole. Major, ma- yes. Cam's Corners is is much more of a local, you know, bar, you know, fun kind of neighborhood, more so um, yeah. than Jefferson West Park, but... Uh, which is not to say that there's not some of that. I mean, the Little Rose Tavern, I should point them out. They're on West 142nd and mm. uh, Lorraine Avenue. That's a local bar. Uh, 
Uh, there's yes. a there's a really cool uh, taqueria that's over by uh, 130th and Lorraine. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember. Shoot. So that's where Arabian Village Market is, and that's where I was spar- starting to get toward. There's actually a major Middle Eastern uh, and uh, Eastern Mediterranean population in this neighborhood, which mm-hmm. I actually didn't really realize until I did a little bit of research on this neighborhood. Assad's Mediterranean cuisine is just immediately to to the east of the market. This is a quick service uh, Lebanese slash Mediterranean place that is just off of West 128th. And this place, this is where you get your uh, traditional cuisine from that type of the world, from hummus to falafel to mm-hmm. uh, shawarma, kafta, um, dishes like that. And it's very homey in there. You just walk in, and they literally just they make the food like right behind the counter, right in front of you. You see everything. It's uh, And they have a full-service bakery there as well, so you get bakery goods from uh, that part of the world as well in there. Uh, they're 4.6 stars rated on Google. They are located at 12719 Lorraine Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio. That's Assad's Mediterranean Cuisine and Bakery. And if you go just a little way further down from that, that's where you get to you get to another marketplace, the Holy Land in International Import Supermarket, which is a Israeli-owned business. That's right at the corner of Lorraine and West 117th, 11717 Lorraine Avenue. And that is another place where you get these types of foods, but you actually, it's more of a grocery format. So like you, you find these foods and then you're actually able to prepare them at home. Um, yeah, they're, they're really, I did not realize that that was like a major, um, af portion of the demographics of this neighborhood. You're talking about places like Israel, Lebanon, Jordan, uh, Turkey to some degree, you know, countries like that. And if you can imagine the the food items you get there, because before now, I've I've always thought like there there are some parts of the world where if you want to get food from there, you got to go to the suburbs. You're thinking like Indian food, uh, Vietnamese, you know, those ethnic communities tend to congregate in the suburbs, not so much in the city. And I always thought of you know the Middle Eastern community being like that too, but that's not really true. Um, well, at least by Middle Eastern, I don't mean like Arab. This is more like you know toward the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, Holy Land uh, International Import Supermarket again, one one seven one seven Lorraine Avenue in Cleveland. That's four point five star rated on Google. If you turn to the south along West One Seventeenth Street, I, you know this didn't. I wasn't going to bring this place up, but this place has a very interesting uh, product that is like citywide renowned. Primo's Pizzeria, which is at the corner of West 117th and Kensington Avenue. Mm-hmm. I looked them up, and like they're only rated 4.0 on Google, and their their pizza and their wings, they look pretty ordinary. But supposedly, Primo's Pizzeria has the best, most awesome vegan pizza really? in all of Cleveland. Hmm. Like The reviews, like all the five-star reviews under them mention the vegan pizza. It must be that their vegetables or or maybe their spices that they use on it are just second to none. I've never been to this place. I'd actually hardly ever heard of it prior to now. There's one right down the street here. Okay, so they have more than one location. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. They have several, I think. Oh, interesting. Well, that... Okay, that's not really... shouldn't be surprising to me. The one one closest to here is uh, uh, York and uh, Pleasant Valley. Oh, okay, on the southern half of Parma. Yeah. All right. 
Um, I'll have to look up and see what other locations they got. So, so this, the original location is at the corner of Kensington and West 117, 3790 West 117th Street. So evidently, if you are if you like pizza and you are not a meat lover, this might be your place. <laughs> yeah, probably. I I could hear. So as you get to the northern end of the neighborhood, right by I-90, this is where you get to the plaza with the giant eagle and the target, and it sort of as staples, and it sort of forms the top point of the right triangle. Uh, this just, you know, this is where the West 117th and Madison Rapid Station is. So that's at one end of the neighborhood. At the other end of the neighborhood, just by I-71 and West 130th Street, that's where the Cleveland 1st District Police Station is. So you can kind of imagine those endpoints. And then, of course, you have your main commercial corridor on Lorraine running pretty much east-west right through it. And the rest of the neighborhood is pretty much residential. It's not like super fancy houses like you might see in Edgewater or Cam's Corners, but it's not it's not urban-y, so, so to speak. It is it is more, you know, just your single-family homes for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I, I would consider it more working-class, middle-class, more so than anything else in the residential district. Ah, interesting. Well, I mean, like I just said, Camp's Corner. There is a brewery in Camp's Corner called Working Class Brewery. Mm. Very good. Indeed. Um, two other spots that I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't mention uh, in this area was uh, – uh, the taqueria that I was talking about, Tapatias Taqueria, uh, which is over by uh, West 120th and Lorraine, and then uh, a German restaurant called Der Braumeister, which hmm. is also over there, which is a really great spot. I've been to both places. Um, very, very good. Um, really good taqueria at Tapatias and then uh, Der, Der Braumeister. Uh, some very good German food. You know, if you continue, and we'll we'll talk about West Boulevard neighborhood on the future show, but I did notice that Tapatias is kind of an extension of that neighborhood because once you start getting closer, uh, going to the west of West One Seven, east of West One Seventeenth, that's where you start to hit a little bit more of the Hispanic community, and that's um, sort of an extension of that. Yeah, the German community in Cleveland seems to be a lot more spread out. There's a bunch in Parma and the you know that south central area of. Uh, like you know old brooklyn and and jefferson west park but as far as german-owned businesses and stuff they 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 really are pretty far flung now i'd not even heard of um what was it braumeister i think you said yeah braumeister yeah i've Mm -hmm. never been there i never heard of it yeah Mm. yeah it's cool spot cool spot good german food uh so yeah i know i know i'd be uh i'd be I'd be reprimanded by Brett Hoyer if I didn't mention uh, Dale Braumeister. Mm. I actually went there with him and a couple other coworkers. Dale Braumeister. Also Dale Braumeister. Mm. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, yeah. that is Jefferson West Park. That is neighborhood and suburb number 17 on our countdown. I will just say that next week, ahead of uh, Juneteenth, the anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, we will be going back to the east side. It's just a question of where will we land for next week. But for now, you can put, put it, it on, on the board. board. Yes. yes. We got to think of something Cleveland-related for that. It's bothering me that we're using a Chicago thing. Away back. <laughs> gone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> swung on and blasted. Yeah. I'll swing and I'll drive. That deep right. Away back. Gone. <laughs> or if we didn't want to go with baseball, we'd go with this one. Wham! With the right hand. All right, R.I.P. Joe. R.I.P. Joe. Oh, oh man. Or how about uh, get that weak stuff out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we 
don't want to call these neighborhoods weak. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. What's uh what's uh deep in the rock? <laughs> right down Euclid. Mm. Again, R.I.P. Fred. Man. Oh man. Think about the, the great broadcasting voices we've lost in recent years. Jeez, Fred oh, too man. soon. Joe too soon. I mean Joe was Joe was eighty, I think, when he passed, but still too soon. Fred was I mean, that was terrible. Fred was I in mean, the sixties. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't even old. No. Graduate no, was, of Strongsville High School. That was tragic. Thank thank God he was able to see the championship before uh, Absolutely. Before he passed, but Good night, Oakland. Fifty two years. It's over. The Cavaliers have won the MVP. I mean, oh my God! What a call! Uh, what was it? I I don't remember the exact number, but it was eight thousand four hundred and fifty-two days, and it's over. Oh, it's just I so forgot funny. he named the days. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's funny if you watch the video of that, and it's somewhere on Twitter. You can find the video. He has it written down. It's game seven. They're oh yeah, he was, oh yeah, he was prepared for that moment. Yes, no doubt. Oh, he was an incredible professional, Fred McLeod. Um, Some people wouldn't have even done that because they'd be like, "No, I'm going to jinx it." You yeah, know, right? Right? <laughs> exactly. Oh man, those memories, man. You know, you talked about uh, Juneteenth coming up. That was the day we won the championship. That's was, correct. Was, was June nineteenth. That is correct. We, and it's gonna. God, it's been. It's gonna be six years already. That's Cavs championship. Holy yeah. smokes! Yeah, we might have to. And move. this is and this is the first year since then that it also lands on a Sunday. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah, we might have to. Uh, we might have to relive some of that stuff. Might have to pull some clips and. And uh, talk about our our favorite memories of that championship. Might not be a bad idea for next week's show or the yeah. or the week after that. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, that is beer of the week. That is better know a neighborhood. And uh, let's get into a little fun segment that we came up with. I found a video today. Credit to Barstool Sports. Uh, they posted a video asking people in their office what the greatest N sixty four game was or is to this day hmm. and i had the idea steve and i and probably most of the people of our age group were probably probably had an n64 in their homes and probably loved playing n64 and n64 games so we had the idea to do bring back the top five draft and draft our top five N64 games of all time. This is a fabulous idea. Oh, you're fabulous. A, you're a Nintendo freak, so I knew you'd love it. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, <coughs> Dan, you get first pick on this one. Oh, we're just going to jump right into it, aren't we, huh? Yeah, I mean, okay. You well, don't wait around. When I, you go to play when you go to play the Nintendo 64, you don't wait around. Like there's no loading or anything like you have with these modern systems. Like you turn it on, within like fifteen seconds the game's on. You know? Well, I would slap like I would slap myself if I didn't say this was the number one game. And if you had the number one pick and you didn't say it, I'd slap you too. So mm-hmm. it's it's obvious the number one number one the, to me, it's not even N sixty four. To me, this is the number one video game of all time of any system anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yes, sir. It's not to me. It's not even close. I, I know a lot of people uh, loved Majora's Mask, and 
if I know you as well as I think you I do, Majora's Mask might make your list. I know it's not going to make mine because I didn't really play it that much. Mm-hmm. But I remember when we got Ocarina of Time, me, you, and Matt Steigerwald all got it at the exact same time, and then we raced to see who could beat the game first. We did. I, be- I-, I believe you won. I know it wasn't me. Yeah, because um, Matt was in first place when we were getting toward the late temples, the the Shadow Temple, uh, the Water Temple. He was the first one to figure out the Water Temple, which gave him an advantage because that, that temple is just a son of a god. Yeah. Um, he retained the lead through the Shadow Temple, but he, he gacked it. Toward the end, the Spirit Temple threw him for a loop. I don't know if it was the whole him having to go back and play as a because in the Spirit Temple you have to go back and play with Link as a kid and then go back to adult form, which you know you played as a kid for the first phase of the game and then you know you got used to him playing as an adult, but then you have to go back and it's like oh shoot, so now I got to use my slingshot instead of the arrows again and it's just you know. <laughs> well, you're getting weird. you're getting into the minutia of it, aren't well, you? You know, <laughs> listen, I, I caught him at the end. Not only was this video game. One of the best gameplay video games of all time. I'd, I, I would love to see somebody try to come up with a game that had a better soundtrack than this one. Oh man, soundtrack was great, and the storytelling in this game was way ahead of its time. All right, that's not right. No. I was trying to play Saria's song. That's not Saria's song. No, that is not. That the sounded. Heck? That sounds like the Nocturne of Shadow more so than anything else. Ah. Ah. Song that was playing when you turned the game on. As the sun slowly rises over Hyrule Field. (laughs) Epona galloping in the breeze. Carrying Link to his next victory. <laughs> a tradition unlike any other. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks are laughing. And I know because we're laughing so hard, Steve's going to get the hiccups. <laughs> Hopefully not because I didn't bring any water in here. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, now I got. Hold on. I got to. Now, this, if I get his approval, I have a video of you dancing to a song in this game. Oh, you should I, post that, that on the page. I might just be posting on our Twitter account. You absolutely account. should post it on the page. <coughs> yes. All right. Now, Well, now that I played it and I played the wrong one, I got to hold on. So there's a phase early in the game when Link is a child, when he reaches Goron City for the first time. He has to play this song for the boss Goron, Darinia. It's a song he learns from his childhood friend, Saria. Oh, yeah! Oh! What the, what the noise, the words he says, the noise. Come what on! A hot, come on! What a hot beat! Wow! <laughs> if you're having a bad day, just play this. Oh, so good. It worked for Darunia, and it can work for you, too. <laughs> so, Ocarina Time, number one pick. Obviously, just amazing. And I'd be amiss not to pick this game, number two. Well.
The sun slowly setting at Lon Lon Ranch. <laughs> the cuckoos just... The cuckoos. Coming back into their coops before the wolfos come out to chase them. <laughs> the lass of the countryside, Malon. The valley where no man can tread without getting put in jail. I can do this for the rest of the episode. Where you're accosted by a spear and you gotta be quick with your wits, otherwise. These women will get you. A tradition. The Gerudos. Oh. <laughs> uh, one more. Okay, one more, and then we'll be all right. Hold all right. On, hold on, hold on. Imagine. Of course. Ad. Imagine being part of a race of people where only one gender is born. <coughs> That's pretty wild. Interesting. Wait, what about what about Ganondorf? Well, he's the one every hundred years. If you did not play this game. Number one, shame on you. And number two, I pity you. Go eat rocks like the Gorons. That's right, the rock people. Oh, it's just the best. It's the best. It is the best game of all time. And it's number one on the list. There was one game that was, at the time, the best game ever before Ocarina of Time. Ooh. By I think I know came out two years earlier. It was the game that launched the Nintendo 64, and that's my first round pick, and that's Super Mario 64. Yep. Super Mario 64 was the first 3D Mario game, and it was incredible. It had 15 3D worlds that you had to go in and collect stars to more or less uh, foil Bowser's evil plan once again. And it just... <laughs> It was a load to try to get through that game. Has the N64 made it back from San Francisco yet? It's coming to New Jersey okay. in, a, in a few weeks. Okay, good. It better be. Yeah. If you're listening to this, Matthew, and you don't bring it, I will fly out to San Francisco and get it myself. <laughs> Man, because we got to have an N64 night. I don't care who comes over. I don't care how many people come over. We're doing an N64 night. Because my second... I don't know if you were done. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no. I mean, uh, Super Mario 64 just like brought that whole franchise and brought a new era into video games, effectively. It, it was the first game with a truly open world uh, where you could go in any direction. And it's... You know, Mario flew for the first time. He turned into metal for mm. the first time. He, yeah. you know, vanished for the first time. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, so could jump into You could jump into paintings and go to different worlds. Yes, or in some cases, just brick walls because they forgot God, to put the painting so up. so good. Oh, <laughs> man. I want to play all these games. Yeah. All right. All so right. that is Steve's first pick. My second pick, uh, you'll be able to get this right away, but uh, I'll just say it. My second pick is uh, Star Fox 64. All right. Absolutely fantastic game. I love, love, love Star Fox. Do barrel roll. Oh, the speech was just revolutionary, oh, and people still God. quote it to this day. Oh, absolutely. That uh, there, there's uh, there are days where you can like make like the Google website do a barrel roll. 
Mm. If you just type in barrel roll, and I, in fact, <laughs> I think you might be able to do it to the, like to this day. Let me check. That's pretty awesome. Peppy hair. What what a dude. Yep. Yeah, and the time I actually thought Falco was actually even funnier than he was, but Peppy is the one who always gets quoted to this day. Yep. You know. And then uh, Slippy was that the toad. Slippy was the toad. Yes. Yep. And then Star Fox. Mm-hmm. Fox McCloud. And even the antagonists on the other side, you know, Wolf O'Donnell and Leon Pawalski, the chame- chameleon, and Pigma Dengar, the pig, who God, was I love part that of Star game. Fox, but then jumped to the other side because Star Wolf was paying more. Yeah. What a great, great game. Oh, man, this is taking me back. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's my second pick, Star Fox 64. That game's been out for 25 years. Amazing. You know. Another game that's been out for 25 years, Goldeneye. Mm. Like, you talk about where yes. first-person shooters are today. You talk about Halo. You talk about Call of Duty. You talk about Fallout, you know, the, all these these games. None of those existed back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And this was just at the beginning of what you had Doom, I think, at the time. And then Goldeneye came along, and oh my goodness gracious, mm-hmm. this game just like set off an entire genre of video games. Uh, not not only just was it a great first person <coughs> shooter game, but the fact that it was it was Bond gave mm-hmm. it a certain legitimacy that you know it wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, fabulous game. Uh, the multiplayer was was also another aspect of this because the this is one of those games because like in Halo, who off you know in Call of Duty. Who who plays the one the one player mode usually? Not not many people. No, you know this game had a great one player mode and great multiplayer. Yeah, it ha- it really had just about everything you would want in a game of that type. And yeah. it, it just you know again you talk about these games being trendsetters for what we we know in the video game industry today. Um, you know, Super Mario sixty four was certainly a game like that. Uh, Star Fox was in the sense that you were you know flying. You know, not it's one thing to have an open world where you're going in two dimensions on the ground now all of a sudden you're going in three dimensional um and now golden eye man another great game oh absolutely fantastic yeah um so that's my second pick yeah this has gone pretty much according to form up to this point i wonder when we might get an off the wall choice well i don't think you're going to start with me here my third pick i am going mario kart 64 okay another game that's been out for 25 Years. Yeah, all of them. All Going back to 1997 here, yeah. folks. <laughs> That's the uh, Mario Kart 64. Is that the first Mario Kart? It was the second, second. behind the Super, Super NES. NES, but it was the first in full 3D. Yeah, so. it's the it's the one that that really like put everything on the map, and that's just I mean, from the races, from the the tracks, you know, Rainbow Road is Iconic. one that everybody knows about. Uh, Super Mario Raceway. Um, what's the what's the ice one? Uh, there were, well, there was Frap Snowland, which was the snow one, and then Sherbert Land, which was the one That's on the right. ice with the penguins. Yeah, Sherbert Land. That was one of my favorites. Uh, Rario, wa- Rario, Wario Raceway. Rario. Wow, I can't. <laughs> Wario Stadium, I think you're talking about. Wario to say. Stadium, sorry. Jeez. I mean, you imagine that's almost like your like, dirt bike yeah. you know, type of track, but instead you got go karts. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. No, just haven't played that that one in a while. If we I've played the one for uh, Nintendo Switch a bunch. Yeah, but, Mario uh, Kart Seven and Mario another Kart reason 8. why we need the F and N sixty four back. Yeah, it 
and they've just kind of built on Mario Kart now to where you have sections of tracks that are anti-gravity, some mm-hmm. that you're like floating with a hang glider mm-hmm. and you know all these but again, it it all started here pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pick number 3 for me. So Mario Kart 64 is off the board. I am going to go with this game got a little bit overshadowed because it came out just a little bit before Ocarina of Time, so um the timing of it may not have been so great, but this game was an outstanding adventure game of its time mm-hmm. and created was part of a whole franchise within a franchise at Rareware where you had a bunch of um, new characters uh, basically exploding on the scene, and this was a big one. Banjo-Kazooie. Yes! That's the first one of mine that you've taken. That's so, the first steal, in my so opinion. So really, this game... I mean, I didn't think this was going to go beyond round three. It shouldn't. This title... Great. Great. Who, whose idea was it to pair up a bear and a Brigal bird, which is basically a red bird, yeah. and have them be the co-protagonists and create... Different move sets that involve you know, using one or the other or both in certain situations to be able to fight the enemies they face inside the dastardly Witch Gruntilda's lair. Um, Somebody who smoked a lot of weed. I gotta tell you, the, whoever was doing, and you know what? This was just like if you're talking about weed, this was just like the the starter weed because they <laughs> la- they later came up with stuff like Conquer's Bad Fur Day, which like completely blew everything out of the water. Right. But um, this game was legit. This game was was like, you know, typical adventure. Easier levels at the beginning, much harder levels as you got toward the, the back part of it. And you know, it had so the penultimate level of the game before you get to Gruntilda mm-hmm. is literally a game show, where you have to answer trivia about the places you've been and who you faced. Hmm. Genius. Yeah. And, and so, and on the board, like there are different categories and stuff, like a real game right. show. But there are there are squares on the board that are like red with a skull, and it could be from any category. And you know, normally you have a certain amount of misses you can have, mm-hmm. but you can't miss on a red. Otherwise, you get thrown into the lava pit and you lose huh. immediately. <laughs> so it's it's intimidating. But uh, yeah, Banjo Kazooie, fabulous game, and that's my third choice. Absolutely spectacular. Um, All right, number four for me. I'm going to be honest with you. Between the two of us, I, I'm kind of shocked that this game has lasted this long. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this game on this show before. Nagano Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. That game is awesome. From all the different events, you know, the uh, the long track speed skating where you, you know, long strides, L, R, L, R, L. R. You start to get to the turn. You start to brace the turn. L. R. L. R. It gets a little bit faster, and then you hit the turn. L. R. L. R. L. R. L. R. L. Because you're crossing like they are yep. in reality, going one over the other. But the strategy about it is you have to keep. You only have a certain amount of energy, so you got. You can't just go L. R. You can't just go crazy with the on the turns. And then when you come out of the turn, you have to do it correctly, or else your guy will trip and fall. Go from going fat L. R. L. R. L. R. L. R. L. R. L R, you know, and then the short track speed skating is the best. Mm. Uh, Between all of the cur- games, oh yeah, curling, curling, uh, ski jumping, awesome. That's uh, a timing one. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta hold down. You gotta press it to up. 
but you can't hold it because otherwise you're gonna fall flat on yep. your face at the bottom of the hill. Bobsled. Oh, not a great one. <laughs> bobsled in this game gave my brother Matthew nightmares because <laughs> he could not get the bobsled down the hill to save his life. He always tipped it. Oh <laughs> uh, man, we need to have a. We need to have it because you have all these games. We we have them. Yes. Oh, we got to have an N64 night when he gets back. Um, but yeah, Nagano, Winter Olympics, 98. 98, right? 98. 98. Yes. So good. And you think about how long ago that was. We've Since then, we've had Salt Lake, Torino, Vancouver, Sochi, Pyeongchang, and Beijing. Like, wow. Nothing compares to Nagano, in my opinion. Uh, there's been no game that's come out since then. Especially that because has of the been video For game. winter or summer, in, in my opinion, that's been as good as that. So good. So good. So that's my number four. That is Dan's fourth choice. So I'm going to go. Did I steal that from you? Nah, no, not actually. No, oh, no. Wow. I believe okay. it. I didn't even have it in my top ten, which is you know kind of shocking. But well, I guess we are on pick yeah. eight right now. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to go with. Um, so according to you, that was a little bit of a reach. Not a big reach. I I yeah. had that between eleven and fifteen on my board. Okay. So. Um, just because it's so, there's just so many great first party games that going with a third party game. Like, True. I mean, Nagano was great, but it's like, can I really go with a third party game in the top five? Eh. I mean, that one, I, that's not a bad choice. I'm not breaking down like I'm not breaking down like the the game's uh, schematics and what type of game it is. I, for me, it's just it's almost purely nostalgic. Well, this next choice, there's two games that launched really, really iconic long-running franchises in Nintendo, and I can't decide. It was a, It's a hard choice between which one to go with. I'm going to go with the one that I think is personally more fun, but between we're talking about just N64 games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Mario Party. Okay. Mario Party You've was, always been was a, big, a huge Mario was Party a guy. revolutionary concept. It basically took board game mm-hmm. and merged it with a video game mm-hmm. and oh by the way throw in a whole bunch of Mario themed uh, you know Mushroom World type mini games and you just have this amazing concept. I think I, think I have permanent nerve damage in my palm because of uh, Mario Party. Oh the original Mario Party had some games where you had Rotating to the stick. Re- okay so the one in particular that was particularly bad was called Castaway. There were treasure chests and money bags that you had to try to catch with a fishing pole that had a hand stuck to it. Mm-hmm. So you threw, you threw, you cast it out with the control stick, and then when it hits the water or hopefully a treasure, you then had to rotate the control stick to to reel it in, just like you would a real fishing line reel. Yep. Um, but the problem was when they when the designers made the game, they thought that people would hold it with their their index finger and their thumb to be able to do the the rotation but people found out that it was actually faster to do the rotating motion with the palm of your hand Mm -hmm. the main problem was is that that was very irritating to the skin oh god and people got major breakout lesions and blisters cuts from doing so yeah uh, which actually became a <laughs> which actually resulted in some litigation against Nintendo back in 2000. <laughs> so it was actually kind of embarrassing. So for Mario Party 2 and 3, which actually are fabulous games as well, they actually eliminated the rotate the control stick and they replaced it with repeatedly mash A, which as we we talked about Nagano Winter Olympics, which you know you had you know timing button presses and timing commands for the most part. It was not a quote 
kick those feet type of a game. <laughs> well, Mario Party 2 and 3 were kick absolutely kick those feet. Because, like, yeah. you could – it's just like this in, in FIFA. Like, if, if the game is 3-0, you could sit down comfortably in the chair and mm-hmm. everything's cool. When it's like three three, and mm-hmm. you're getting to like past eighty minutes, oh, you're standing up. You're standing yeah, up, you're and you're like, from the screen. <laughs> right? And that's the way it is in Mario yeah. Party when you're playing one of those games where you have to mash the button repeatedly. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Mario Party's a world of fun, whether it's any version for the GameCube or for the Wii or for the Switch. Uh, I wholeheartedly recommend all, but Mario Party the original set everything off. All right. This is my last pick, and this sucks because I have three games, mm. and I don't know what to pick because I feel like if I if if I pick one, the other two are deserved. So, at the end, we'll give a couple honorable mentions. All right, sure. Super Smash Brothers. Oh, that was the other one I was thinking of taking the last one. Yep. Okay, Super Smash Brothers is my fifth and final round pick. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, it's just like it's just like all the other, uh, you know, Mario Kart, Mario Party, Super Smash Brothers. They're all just iconic games. And you know what I think about when I think of Super Smash Brothers on sixty four was me, you, my brothers, your brother, Matt Steigerwald, Peter Suter in your basement doing Mario doing uh, Super Smash Brothers tournaments, and. God bless him. Matt Steigerwald was always the ice climbers. Oh, he loved Nana and Popo. <laughs> they, they, they were his his dude and do that. Yeah, I was uh, I was always either Fox or Link. Uh, who were you usually? So Yoshi was a go-to. Yoshi, Peach, uh, uh, Peach well, or Daisy. Okay. So if you're going to the melee era, Peach uh, entered then. Zelda entered then as well. Um, oh, that's right. In, in the original, neither one of those was in it. That's um, right. Let's see. You had Mario, Luigi, Captain Falcon was in the original. Pikachu, Jigglypuff was in there. Falcon Punch. Link, Samus, um, a lot of your you know historical big hitters, and then you know obviously over time they just expanded the character cast until now with yep. Smash Ultimate, which was the last one that came out in 2019. There's something like almost a hundred people in it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like the original 151 Pokemon. It's, you're almost <laughs> getting to that stage, yes. Uh, but yeah, Super Smash Brothers. I mean, you, you don't need you don't even need to be like good at the game to be good at the game. If you if you catch my drift, it's a button mashing game, especially back then. Oh uh, yeah, much and, more and, so. And if if you were in a, a match with like like four, I don't I don't remember how many you could have, but four four way match I think was the top at the time. Yes, could, you couldn't do computers like extra computers. Not then. Okay, but even so, a four-way match. I mean, if you just button mash and just just wail on everybody, I mean, you're it. If you don't win, you're still you're gonna have fun. It's not like you know, uh, like a FIFA where if you've never played it before and you're playing against somebody that's that's been playing like for six months, you're gonna lose nine nil and you're gonna throw the, <laughs> the controller sucks. to the TV. <laughs> yeah, no, Super Smash Brothers. You just button mash, and then you know you get really good once you've learned you know special moves and. And uh, you know different characters' tendencies and stuff like that. It's it's just a blast. It's an absolute blast. You can do it uh, with with older folks. You can play it with young kids, uh, cross generations. It's it's just fantastic. You get knocked off the platform. You regenerate three seconds later. You're back at it. That's right. Yeah, it's great. All right. And if so, you're Kirby, you never fall off the map. Uh, Kirby or Jigglypuff, or yeah, like you got to get them like across the. 
the left or the right edge because you're not going to get him oh, to fall down the bottom. Forgot about Jigglypuff. You were like unbeatable with Jigglypuff. <laughs> people could knock me off. No, that that you'd make people go to sleep and then you'd kick them off the map. And also, Jigglypuff is the worst. So when it comes to parking the bus at the end of a match, Jigglypuff is the best at that because like you just float up in the air and you just do the toward B and you just hang up in the air yeah. forever and ever yeah. and people can't get to you. Yeah, it's fantastic. The, clock, the clock's running down. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's very cheap. and that, that might make you throw your controller if yeah. somebody is pulling that. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So. All right. Who we got? Last pick. Final choice, and I've got basically. So here's I'm basically down to the, the five games that I also had on the list at this point, and I'll mention the others in the, in the honorable mentions. Oh boy! So it's like, do I go with the one player adventure? Do I go with the the multiplayer racing game, or do I go with you know the one that's the sort of off the wall you know choice that you wouldn't think? I'm going to go with Diddy Kong Racing. Wow. As my fifth. Wow. This, two racing games. Yes. In I, the top and, 10. And I think this game, the fact that it came out so soon after Mario Kart 64. Kind of got lost. It, it, yeah, kind of did get lost in the shuffle. And it was, it took a lot of the aspects of Mario Kart 64 and made them. It was more of a cartoony game, believe it or not, than, mm. than Mario Kart 64. But at the same time, you not only raced in cars, you raced in planes and also hovercraft mm-hmm. on water levels, which mm-hmm. was something that had never really been done before. Yeah. And not only that, when you beat the tracks and got in first place, you then uh, ended up going against the area bosses. And then after you faced them, you weren't done in that area. You actually had to go play those levels again, and you had to collect eight silver coins while in the level and finishing in first place, which often meant that you had to go off the beaten path, mm-hmm. you know, of the level. Like the, you know, you're usually taking the turn to the inside. Something you have to, you have to go way to the outside, or you'd even have to like go around obstructions to try to find these these coins and then get back and catch up, yeah. which was an extremely interesting and new concept. For sure. Um, so by the time there was actually help because by the time you got to the final boss, Whizpig, you you know were pretty much a stud at the game. Yeah. And you know maybe that took a little bit of shine off of the final battle, but uh, yeah, I mean, and a completely new character cast aside from Diddy and uh, Crunch, who was a Kremlin from Donkey Kong Country. The rest of them were all new. Yeah. Um, and I I have a soft spot for Drumstick because Drumstick's a chicken, <laughs> and he was the best driver in the game. So Drumstick. What yeah. game is Drumstick from? Uh, that was his debut. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm Drumstick. Uh, so, descended from the Kukakus? Uh, if he was Hyrulean, he would be a Kuko. Kuko? Kukaku. What the hell am I saying? Kuko. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I went with Diddy Kong Racing 5th. That All right. was not an easy choice. So that is essentially the top 10. We just each drafted mm-hmm. five. Yes. Let's throw out some honorable mentions, and sure. we'll just let's just run through them. For mm-hmm. me, I got two that I'm thinking right off the bat. WWF No Mercy. Okay. Probably the, the best wrestling game for N64. That was a fabulous game. And then uh, you, you, can, you can go at... Uh, you, you might as well just say what your honorable mentions Wave are. Wave Race 64. Oh, yeah. Good game. That was so close to making my list. I, you know, when you think of, you know, there were a lot of great racing games when you think about it. Yeah. You know, and that was another one where, you know, hovercraft, you yep. know. Jet ski. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so, how about you? Had an extremely annoying announcer, too, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, my honorable mentions, I mean, I had three of them. One is Majora's Mask, which we briefly mentioned earlier. Another great Zelda title. Um, introduced a completely new world, Termina, to the, to the Zelda universe. And it's a game that, you know, is extremely, it's very polarizing. There are some Zelda fans who think that it's like the greatest Zelda game ever, and then there's others who think it's like, eh, it's not that great. I think because it was the one to come out after Ocarina of Time, I was always going to be way. a hard act to follow because people people are just so defensive of Ocarina. I'm one of them, right? Like I have a bias against Major. Like I have a bias against Majora's Mask because of how much I love Ocarina of Time, and that's simply because it was the next game to come out. I'll tell you one thing though, Ganondorf, kind of a fearsome dude. Majora would make him wet his pants. <laughs> what about Ganon? Well, now that's the battle we want to see. Yeah. Majora versus Ganon. Yep. Anyway, the other two that I had up, that, well, you actually took one. Well, no. Um, I did have way worse on my list, too. Shadows of the Empire, which was the Star Wars game that mm. came out in 1996. That was, you know, at the time, an ex- you know, probably the best Star Wars game that ever came out. Uh, that was a game that actually was taking some of the end-of-year awards away from Super Mario 64 because it was so good. You thought it was better than R- Rogue Squadron. Did that come out for the N64? It's on the list. Oh. That must have been... Okay, so that must have been like... Uh, Rogue Leader was on GameCube. Okay, okay, so that's... Ro- Rogue Leader uh, Squadron 2 was on GameCube, so the original game was on N64. Okay, that, the way, the one on N64, that must have been like more like 99, 2000. I, yeah, I, it was released really shortly before the, mo- the movie Episode 1. Mm. Okay, so that was 99, because Episode 1 came out in 99. And then the other game I, I'd be amiss to mention is Pilot Wings. Okay. Pilot Wings is like the more the more mellow, laid back kind of one. There, yeah, there's missions, but it's like you can just you what? just fly around in an open world. Like you can do that very much. What was the game? And it, you get to shoot it, people out of a cannon into targets. It now That's just cool. it now just came to me. What was the game that you had where? We it was just you were a platform. You were building up the platform, and you're trying not to get water to spill off the edge of the platform. Wetrix, Wetrix, great game. That is like a puzzle game, but is unlike any puzzle game that had ever been created up to that point. Yes, another great one. I just thought I just remembered that one. It's, that game used to frustrate me so the, much. The multiplayer is actually kind of fun because the more water yep. you sop up from your, um, you know, dry bubbles you get power-ups and stuff. And if you are, are in the game long enough to yep. get bombs, yep. the other person's done. done. Because done. you just drop bombs like right in the middle of their lake and the water seeps out and they lose. Yeah. <laughs> so, fantastic. One last thing about Pilot Wings. Mm-hmm. The game is about hang gliding and rocket belt and the and the gyrocopter and all that. So it's about flying. That's the, that's the whole point of the game. But the best mode of the game didn't even have anything to do with flying. You were jumping around on the level in moon shoes huh. and had to make it to the goal without like tripping over any mountains or tripping over uh, or landing in any water because you get points deducted for that. And the final level of the game in Pilot Wing 64 with, with the moon shoes called the Jumble Hopper, you had to jumble hop across the Little States level, which was a, a basically a, a small-scale model of the U.S. Hmm. You had to go from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., Huh. And you had to do it in less than three minutes. Wow! To to beat it. Wow! Awesome stuff. So, wow. 
have we given you enough nostalgia for one night? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Yeah, so great top five. That was a lot of fun. That was awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, if there's any if there's any game that we missed, feel free to let us know. Absolutely. I'd love to hear in the comments if there's any games that you, you know, other games that we didn't mention in this Oh, and I'm gonna post. I'm gonna post our list too, and post a poll and see uh, who 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 thought who had the better list. Yeah, so we'll see. I um, think you're gonna have it because Ocarina of Time is just that great. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, real quick, I just wanted to give a shout out of a former guest on the podcast, my cousin Marcus O'Malley. He plays baseball for VCU, and uh, they got to they won their conference, the Atlantic Ten, and they got to the NCAA regional uh, championship uh, game. And they ended up losing a tough three-game series with host the regional host, North Car- University of North Carolina. Um, what a great season uh, for the Rams. And my cousin specifically, uh, freshman who started, I would say probably about 85% of the games this year, um, played second base, struggled a little bit offensively to start of the season, but ended up uh, batting right around 280 for the season. Um, nice great season he's he's great defensively and uh just a great he's just a freshman so he's going to continue to get better and uh i just wanted to give him a quick shout out uh congratulations marcus on a great season and uh you know just a freshman so uh just getting started i follow marcus and his mother donna on instagram and they're always posting stuff particularly her just like his game highlights and and Mm -hmm. all that it's it's really some of the plays he makes in the field are just like, what? Yeah. Is so, that the Super Regional round? No. The North Carolina advanced to the Super Regional. Okay, so that was the round of 32. Yep. Because the Super Regional is the round of 16, and then the final later in the College World Series. Yep. So, great season for Virginia Commonwealth. Yeah. Um, you know, teams from smaller leagues don't often get super deep into the NCAA baseball tournament. It's, you know— baseball is one of those sports that's kind of like football where the teams in the power five and in this case specifically the the teams from the conferences in the south uh usually tend to do very well right so like the big 10 only had two bids in the the ncaa baseball tournament yeah it's really hard for teams from the northeast and the midwest to compete just when because of when the season is starts in february and ends in may yep some years the weather's not even good in may yeah yeah, so um yeah, so I just want to give a quick shout out for that. Um not to get off the baseball topic, but uh the Guardies are playing a bit better baseball over the last couple of weeks. They are now right around 500. They actually they are 500 now. They're 25 and 25. Moved into second place in the AL Central and I believe are four games out of first place. It was an unequivocally good week for the Guardians. They had two weak teams to play against, the yeah. Royals and the, the Orioles. They cleaned up going 5 and 1 that week. And the Minnesota Twins, who were leading the Guardians by seven games at the start of the week, lost a bunch of games yep. and went two and four. So now they're only down by four games, yep. which is much more manageable. Guardians won the first game of a doubleheader today at home against the Rangers. They are currently playing the second game, I believe. This is on account of the fact that they did not play yesterday. They did I'm not assuming. play. They, yeah, they did not play yesterday. Yeah, we had storms roll through last night, and they decided not to deal with that. And they're losing five nothing in the fourth inning. Okay, so they'll get a split today. Most most likely. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to uh, continue to um, highlight that. Obviously, we'll get into more Guardians talk as the season goes on. Hopefully, as they stay around five hundred or 
get hot and uh, get into or stay in contention, um, hopefully throughout the season, which it's only the fourth I inning ex- in that second game. I mean, you I ex- have to yeah. come back in them. I mean, maybe eh. I expect that they will just because they're managed by Tito Francona, mm-hmm. um, that they're going to stay in it. They're, I, they're certainly not the most talented team for sure, but I think just the way he manages teams, you know, if we've seen over the last eight, nine years now, um, they're going to be in it. So, if you haven't we'll been to and, a, and it, the division's not good, so no, it isn't. The Chicago White Sox are the best team in the division, but they're in third place right now because they've been absolutely ravaged by injuries. The injury bug has just crushed them, crushed right them. at the start of the season too. Yeah. They lost like three pitchers on their pitching rotation, yeah. and they lost some guys. And Minnesota, on their lineup. Minnesota started out really hot this year, but they're starting to come back to the pack. So, I, the division's up for grabs. So who knows? I don't know. It, it, it's going to come down to whether the when the Guardians are going to be uh, buyers or sellers at the uh, trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. If, like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, if they were within like five games, there's no reason for them not to go for it. Yeah. If they're more behind, then I could see them selling. Yeah, that's more or less the you know when you think about it historically, if you're within five games, that's usually the threshold where you where you you know throw at it. Sure. But if you haven't been to a game yet this season, this is not a bad week to go because they're home every day this week. Uh, Three-game yeah. series against the Rangers currently going on and a four-gamer against the Oakland Athletics starting on Thursday. Uh, games at 7-10 on Friday, 4-10 on Saturday, and am I seeing this right? 11.35 a.m. on really? Sunday? Wow. It's early weird. start. At home? Is that national TV? No, I can't be national TV. I mean, Is that at home? Yeah. Against who? Oakland. That's 8.35 a.m. on the West Coast. Nobody Nobody cares about the Oakland Oakland A's. Soon to be the Las Vegas A's. Yeah, Yeah, so um, good for the Guardians, and uh, hopefully uh, they continue to keep it rolling. But uh, we need to switch gears here before we end the show. I think we uh, have to do this. Yeah, yeah, I guess we we do. We need to talk about something serious because we've kind of been avoiding it just because – I mean, to be honest with you, it's not something we really want to talk about, and it's the off season, and it's not fun to talk about. But I think it, I, I thought it would be we 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 talked about it when the trade happened. If you want this to go down in your memories as just a fun episode, you can yeah, just, just turn it. it off right now <laughs> because now it's about to get like super serious. And Dan, take it away. Yeah. So um, the Deshaun Watson saga uh, rages on, and uh, there's been just. Over the last week or so, there's just been more and more details coming out. Two more civil suits have been filed with um, uh, some pretty descriptive details about what is being alleged of uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, and it's not good. It's not good. Some of these, if if these if these events are true, I'm going to be completely honest with you. While when the trade happened, I said I had an uneasy feeling about everything, but I kind of tried to bury it all just because I love my football team and objectively he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. But if any of this is true, uh, I uh, I really wish that I could go back and undo that trade because it doesn't look good. And even even if... You know, let's say he gets suspended for eight games. Let's say he gets suspended for ten games. Hell, the way this is going, who knows? He might get suspended for the entire season. Whenever he does step on the field for the Browns, it's just going to be this uneasy feeling. 
there are so many like good guys and good players on this team that you want to root for, and I feel like it's going to be tainted. Having to root for, again, allegedly, if this stuff is true, that's he's being accused of. I'm not. I'm not here to say, oh, he did everything. I'm not here to say that he didn't do anything. I think it's somewhere in the middle, as most most things are. And at the very least, I think he's a giant perv. Do I think he's a criminal? I don't know. Who knows? I think he's a perv. Did he do things that are that were inappropriate? Probably. They do things that were kind of that are really weird and creepy. Yes, alleged. And he's going to be the quarterback of my football team, our football team. You're a Browns fan too. What uh, What do you feel about this? Well, I'll take it even further than that. Uh, a few weeks ago, and so backstory: my extended family. They always travel on the road to one Browns game every year. And this year we went to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles for the game against the Chargers, which was objectively maybe the most fun, crazy Browns game of the season. I mean, maybe not in terms of the result. They lost 47-42, but, um, I mean, what a blast that game was. Um, The thought was, was that we were going to go to Miami in November for the game against the Dolphins. And I I was pumped up for that because the Dolphins, I don't know if many of you know this, but at the time the Browns were away, I adopted the Dolphins as my team. And they were arguably my team of most rooting interest until the Browns came back and were relevant again by the, the Butch Davis era. And, you know, they've been a team of secondary interest since then. So I was like, rare and ready to go. You know, Miami, South Beach, November. Yeah, let's go. But I got to tell you, Ever since this came out, like a few days ago, we were like trying to look at flights and, and transportation and where we were going to stay and all this. And my aunts and uncles were involved. And there has been no discussion whatsoever yeah. of any of this yeah. since then. And given that my two aunts are arguably the biggest Browns fans in the family, I can't imagine for a second that this is going over well with them. This isn't going over well with me. This isn't going over well with a very large portion of the Browns fan base. And I think Sarah Spain of ESPN more or less encapsulates exactly what I was fearing at the time because I was not as much on board with this at the time as you were. She writes, I'm starting to wonder if it might have been useful for the Browns to talk to Deshaun Watson's accusers, dot, 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 or even just a few, dot, 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 or even just one. Do you really think the Browns did absolutely zero due diligence on this? Because I I find that hard. That couldn't possibly be. No, they did, but it was advised against by legal counsel for them to not talk to any of the accusers because there were criminal proceedings going on. This, I don't understand this argument because it's very... it's very easy for people to say that now. Oh, just talk to the accusers. Talk to the accusers. There was a criminal investigation going on, and the NFL is not one of the two parties that are involved. So they could have very easily impacted the criminal proceedings and criminal investigations of one of their players. Which they're not going to do. They couldn't do it. Right. They weren't going to do it. I don't understand. Oh, talk to the accusers. Talk to the accusers. Yeah. 
you talk to them now when they're deposed and and you know they're 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 making statements and stuff like that. Okay, the criminal proceedings are over. You can't do that during criminal proceedings. You can't. They were under legal legal counsel and legal advice to not do that. What are they going to do? Go against That's, their lawyers and go? The Browns are, just, hey, hey, did uh, what you said is true? Blah blah blah. blah. Like, <sighs> makes you wonder if they. Could they have spoken to any of them off the record? Would any of them have done that? You know, obviously their legal counsel would have advised against that too. Yeah, again, so, they have they, they have lawyers. It, everybody's lawyered up. So to say that they could just you know get on a phone and, and call one of the accusers and be like, hey, did he really do that? And again, it's all of this stuff is he said, she said. There were only two people in those massage rooms: Deshaun Watson and the masseuse. Nobody else. No camera. No audio recordings. Nothing. It's he said, she said. That's why he wasn't charged criminally. Because they could not uh, go forward with beyond a reasonable doubt to file charges against Deshaun Watson. Because it's he said, she said. Now, the civil cases are a bit different because... You don't have to provide proof beyond reasonable doubt to be awarded in a civil case. So that's where we are now. And the New York Times report that came out today uh, has alleged that uh, Deshaun Watson met with 66 different masseuses between a 17-month stretch between 2019 and 2021. That's almost one a week. Yeah. Most of these women were uh, on Instagram. Um, he had conversations about doing this with uh, getting massages on Instagram, like Instagram DMs and stuff like that. This is where this is where I think the the perv thing comes into comes into uh, effect. Do I believe that he was doing this in order to solicit sex from these women? Yes. Do I think he needed sixty six different masseuses in a seventeen month stretch? No. And let's face it, if you're a guy and you're reaching out directly to a woman you don't know on Instagram, chances are you are a perv, and that is your end goal. Yeah, I mean... I don't mean to be a cynic, but that's that's pretty much what that is. Right. I mean, to a certain extent, uh, you know, people use Instagram almost as like a dating app. So, like, it, and used in that sense, I mean, it's fine. But if you're going to, like... And this isn't what Deshaun Watson did. He, he DM'd them to... Set set the appointments, and then the masseuses, and then the alleged acts happen during the actual, like, there have been uh, Instagram DMs that have been released where, you know, he seems very businesslike in the, in the DMs and all that, and saying he wants to support small business, uh, black businesses, women businesses, stuff like that. And then the alleged things happen once they meet up and the massage happens. Um which is pretty crafty on his part because obviously what you say by again, text goes and you know stays forever. Again, allegedly, yeah. allegedly. And if you're and if you're one of these women and you have an NFL superstar hitting you up on Instagram, like you're you're gonna respond. Like most of the time, you know. Well, especially just gonna, especially just the, these messages, but not from somebody like him. Well, especially the the first time when he's when he's he's literally trying to. Um, conduct business. That's what it is. Yes. You know, massage therapy. He's a he's an athlete. Uh, athletes. Now, to you or me, 
getting a massage every week, it doesn't sound very. That would, that would hit us too much in the pocketbook. It wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, that yeah, that's not. Plausible. I'd be doing that right now. The way my calves and knee feels after yeah, every so, distance run, but that's um, be that as it may. So, for an athlete, obviously they get more massages than a normal person. But sixty-six different masseuses in seventeen months—that's a lot. Even if everything was on the up and up, that's a lot. Like, what are you doing? Like, no don't repeat you, business. Like, don't you usually like if if everything was on the up and up, and you're just getting massages, you know. Going through 66, usually you would find one or two that, like, you thought did a really good job and made you, like, recover easier and quicker and, you know, you know, in a professional sense, hit all the right spots as far as, you know, massaging wherever you need massage. And you'd, you'd think you'd go back to those people. Absolutely. You'd have repeat business. That's the way it usually works. It's just creepy, man. Like, God, I don't know. I don't know. The, you know what is making me realize – through all of this and now how more and more stuff is coming out. I was against this after they made the trade because he was so vehemently saying that he was innocent and he did nothing wrong. He should have settled all these cases a long time ago. Not to say that that would make anything any better because because that these alleged things still may have happened, but the fact that these details are coming out, whether they're actually uh, legit or not, he's already been tried and, uh, you know, tried, and there's been a verdict in the court of public opinion. In the court of public opinion, he's guilty. Yeah. He did a lot of these things in mm-hmm. the court of public opinion. Whether they actually happened in a in a legal sense or in an actual reality sense the the masseuses and Deshaun Watson might be the only ones that will ever know what actually happened but because these details keep leaking out he's guilty in the court of public opinion seems- and perception is 9 tenths of the law and perception is almost always reality perception and possession is 9 tenths of the law that is absolutely true. So I, man, I don't know what to feel. I don't know what to think anymore. And people, because are whether out. we like it or not, this guy is the Browns' quarterback now, and Andrew Barry has his neck out on the line for this guy. You gave up three first-round picks, and you gave him a fully guaranteed two hundred thirty million dollar contract. If he gets suspended for a whole year, you know, what if? What if, like, he decides he, in his mind, thinks that he's 100% not guilty and he's going to take the all of these cases all the way through trial and everything in a civil sense, and he starts getting popped for these? The NFL might— His career's over. The NFL—yeah, the NFL might suspend him indefinitely, and there is a, there is a realm out there where Deshaun Watson never plays— for the Cleveland Browns ever. There are people on Twitter asking that exact question. And guess right what? Now. And guess what? If he doesn't play a down for the Cleveland Browns, you're not getting those three first round picks back. Nope. It's not happening. Will you maybe be able to avoid void some of the contract? Probably. But you're not getting those picks back. And guess what? Andrew Barry? I love Andrew Barry, okay? But if Doomsday happens, you're fired. 
Yeah. Because he will have saddled the franchise with you know, no now, starting quarterback and no first-round picks for the next three years. Now. Well, next two years beyond this we're, year. We're learning about all these new details and these ex- extra cases that are coming out. I guarantee you the NFL and the Cleveland Browns, they knew about this stuff already. You would think. Would have to. I'm sorry. I know the Browns are stupid, but the Cleveland Browns are not going to make a $230, $230 million investment and not, as you said earlier, do their due diligence, whether they talk to the accusers or not. There's enough information out there to where they can, you know, they can form an opinion about what happened, an educated opinion about what happened. They knew all of this stuff already. The public is just starting it, you know, because because the accuser's lawyer, by the way, is just absolutely, like, orchestrating a symphony about all this. Mm-hmm. He's getting his... Like, uh, uh, so last year, Deshaun Watson was one step away from being traded to the Dolphins. Last year. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins said, you settle all those cases or we're not trading for you. So they, they ha- he had an agreement with almost all of them to settle, and he was going to pay pretty much every, all of the accusers $100,000 each. That $100,000 might be multiplied by 10 now. If he wants to settle with these with these accusers, it might cost him a million dollars. Sixty-six million dollars. Well, there isn't sixty-six civil suits. There's only twenty-four. Mm. But it might cost him a million dollars per suit. Mm. So that this uh, attorney for the accusers, not not that not that they're, you know, obviously it's a civil suit. So their end game is they want to be paid. Yes. And he's doing just a incredible job of essentially making his clients more money because I think eventually this is going to end up in a settlement. I don't think these now that now that these things keep leaking out. I think Deshaun Watson's lawyers are going to tell him, "Hey, we we think you're innocent, but this is a smear campaign of, of all smear campaigns, and we got to get him. We got to get." This corral. I think that's the whole thing with him. He doesn't want to admit culpability on any of this. Well, and and, and to him, to him, know, he must think that he didn't do anything wrong. Whether yeah. whether whether that's the opinion of a court of ma- law, because maybe that's it. Like it for him, there's no gray area. If he if he settles and he pays out, then that's an admission of guilt yeah. on his part. It could be, it could be. But I think at this point, um, I think the 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 thought of that was if he did settle, that would automatically trigger a suspension. I think he's getting suspended regardless now. Oh, it's no doubt. It just depends on the length. I think he's looking minimum half a season. Minimum. So, I don't know. But to think like the Browns, the Browns uh or the NFL were surprised by these these other two lawsuits that were filed this the end of last week and then uh yesterday. That's just not. That's just not real. That's just not real. They knew. They knew all this stuff was coming out. So there's one big-time question I've got to ask. It might be very misplaced. It might be very mistimed. It might be quite ridiculous. Okay. But i got to ask it anyway. Yeah. All of this news that came out on Deshaun Watson today and the, the likelihood now we're talking about suspension, longer suspension, or maybe he doesn't even play here at all in the worst-case scenario. Who knows? What does this all mean for Baker Mayfield? I think he's traded next week. Next week? 
Yeah. Can the Browns even afford to do that at this stage? Well, yeah, they signed three other quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield's not playing another. Deshaun Watson could get suspended for two years. Baker Mayfield's not playing another down for the Browns. And that is where the Browns have truly screwed up. When they cast him aside for this guy who well, yeah, was no, the guy no, that potentially they listen, could have stepped on a landmine and, and it looks more and more like they have. You're not going to get an argument from me. I think they. I thought they should have traded. If they, it's it's evident they don't want Baker Mayfield anymore. They should have traded him before they traded for Deshaun Watson, not after. Yes, because once you got on that plane to go visit with Deshaun Watson and it became public, you didn't. And you were you committed. Didn't, you didn't just burn the bridge with Baker Mayfield. You see Ford that that sucker, and you blew it to smithereens. Yep, he's not playing. And the reason why I say he 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 very. But, uh, the, the reason why I say he very well could get traded next week, next week is mandatory minicamp. So if I was Baker Mayfield... He's not going to show up for that. Well, if I was Baker Mayfield and I went to precipitate a trade and, and I am still of the belief that I don't want to be in Cleveland anymore, I'd show up to 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 training camp or to minicamp. Hmm. And I'd force their hand. You remember uh, when uh, in Dark Knight when the Joker visits... Uh, Harvey Dent in the hospital, and he gives him the gun, and he goes, institute a little anarchy. Yes. That's essentially what Baker should do to force the Browns' hand to get him out of there. I would, the, whenever the first day is of mandatory minicamp, I'd be there. I'd be the first person in the building. Like, hey, guys. Hey, it's mandatory. You know what you're trying to build here without me? It's mandatory. You don't want me to be here? Trade me. Yeah, you should do that. Because right now, the reason why... That, I bet he won't, but re- he should do that. The reason why that uh, he's he hasn't been traded... Because nobody wants him. No, that's not Seemingly. true. Seemingly. That's not true. There are a lot of things at play. Um, the teams that... Uh, specifically, the one team that would trade for him right now already has a quarterback that's on his fifth-year option that's making $16, 17000000 million. Right. Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Sam Darnold. If we're going to trade for for another guy in a fifth year option, have to pay him too. One, you can't play two quarterbacks. No, so some, so if they did that, one of their one of their quarterbacks would be sitting on the bench making seventeen to nineteen million, which would totally hamstring their salary cap for at least this season. Yeah. yeah. So whoever whoever is trading for Baker Mayfield is saying in negotiations with the Browns, you're paying the majority of his salary. And what the Browns are saying is. If we're paying the majority of his salary, we'll just keep him. Right. We'll, we'll essentially do. Well, see, no, that's that's sort of where I'm going with but, this. But they'll do what the Texans did with Deshaun Watson last year. They'll say, "You don't want to be here? Okay, don't don't be around the team. Just stay away." I'll, I'll tell you what. That's what's going to happen. Jacoby Brissett what, is going to be the starting. You want to talk place. about a worst case scenario? The one where Deshaun Watson is let's say suspended for the whole year, yep. and the Browns decide. They don't want to touch Baker with a 39-and-a-half-foot pole, and they just you know leave him adrift. And the Browns trot Jacoby Brissett out there, and the team is like 1-8 at the bye. Like, yeah. oh, my God. You know, you, and, and, <laughs> and to, look, to think any further about that, uh, usually when your team That's is bad— That's not very respectful to Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I, I think he's a better player than that. Sure. But I'm, but, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Yeah, we're not— 
we're not winning our division with Jacoby Brissett as our quarterback. No. But you do know if we're one and eight, and let's say, you know, when you get to one and eight, people start looking at mock drafts in the draft. Yes. We won't be. Nope. The Houston Texans will. The Houston Texan Texans fans will be watching Browns games to see where that pick's going to be. Yes. Yeah. It's not good. And the Browns will have been the architects of their own demise if it comes down to that. Hundred percent. I I I'm on I'm completely on record saying that the Browns have bundled this from the beginning. Bundled it from the beginning. Should have traded Baker Mayfield when they knew that they when they knew that uh they wanted to move on from him. They should have just traded him. The reason I continue to bring up Baker, and it seems like nobody wants to because they just accept that he's gone, the the smart thing for both sides to do at this for point is reconcile. I agree. So you just think that's impossible, basically? Yes. That's sad. Yeah. That's really sad. Listen, I think it is because... Baker is a very uh, and and listen. This isn't a knock against Baker. This is this is how he's basically made his entire career is betting on himself and being spiteful for those who bet against him. Yes, he's done that his entire life, mm-hmm. and I think he, he's he's going to do that with the Browns too. It's his track record. He's not going to go against his track record now. But I agree with you. It would be if 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 the Browns are not going and also. It's in his best interest to play for the Browns over the Panthers, too. Because the Panthers suck. The Browns don't suck. You put a halfway decent quarterback on that team, and the Browns are probably going to the playoffs. Somebody needs to get into Baker's ear and say that the best thing for him to do is come back, play for the Browns, have a good season, and you might get a really big contract next year. Yeah, as you a know, free agent. If he, if he sits and he's adrift this whole year, he's not going to get anything. Right. His career might be over. Well, he'll latch on to backup somewhere probably for a cut for five million dollars a year. But if that's what he wants, I mean, I don't know. It's not. A, I mean, it's not a bad gig if you can get no, it. But it's like, not. It's not what he aspired for at the start of his career. Yeah, I can tell you that. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, it doesn't look good for Deshaun Watson, especially in the public eye. Um, but I guarantee you, all all parties and and the, and the teams in the NFL, they all knew about this stuff already before it went public. One thing I find interesting here, real quick. ESPN, their NFL live show today, mm-hmm. had 30 minutes of programming. They didn't mention Deshaun Watson one time. Hmm. People were going crazy on Twitter about that. Interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us on this episode of uh, Living Off the Land. Um you can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast uh, to continue the conversation that we had on tonight's episode. Please tweet at us. Uh, let us know your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, that I think is going to do it. So, uh, for Steve, I'm Dan. You've been listening to episode 214 of Living Off the Land. And we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.